the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Spring, a season of new beginnings, new life, and for us as a believer, reminders of the new life we have in Him as He gave of His own for us. This Lent, there is so much for us to be thankful for, but at the same time, so much for us to be prayerful for. We have gone through a season of more than two years of the struggles, both locally and globally, related to COVID, and now very much in harmony with warnings we see in Scripture, wars and rumors of wars in diverse places, earthquakes as well. This is certainly a time for the believer to uh, to be focused on the important things in life. We're going to spend some time doing that today with a very special guest. He is Senior Pastor of Kaleo Christian Fellowship, located in Oakland. We're pleased to have join us today Pastor Russell Dooley. Pastor Dooley, thank you so much for carving some time out to uh, spend it with us today. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. You know, we were just visiting before we came on the air today and, and talking about, boy, the enormous changes that we've all been through in the last couple of years as a result of COVID. And we know certainly at one level there has been um, so much tragedy, so much senseless loss of life, and yet I have to wonder if there's also been a little bit of a a silver lining, so to speak, in all of this, in that uh, for the first time maybe in a long time, uh, the world globally has been focused on things regarding life and that leading to questions about eternity and uh, hopefully questions about, is there a God? And if so, what's my relationship to him? Let's talk a bit about the ways in which church is very different today than it was just two scant years ago. How has it changed your ministry there at Kaleo? You know, when you consider the changes in reality, they can be frightening or they can be rewarding, depending on what you're focusing on. I wrote this down as you were talking. God has a divine order in the chaos. And you have to realize, even though the chaos is around us, God is working through the chaos. For an example, uh, God had a divine order, Elijah. He called him in the time of turmoil, in the time of Ahab, in the time of false prophets and false religion. And here this man comes on a scene from nowhere, and he's commanded by God on a mission And that is to reveal God to a nation that has lost its way. Our focus as pastor is to reacquaint ourselves with God and call upon him in such a way that he will answer from heaven and reveal his power in the hearts to transform them. But as all pastors are doing, this is a divine realignment. So Elijah had to rebuild the altar, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He had to make sure that he was recommitting his faith to the living God. He had to call upon it. So church in this season is completely different than anything you know of, because in the chaos, God is having us rebuild the altar of devotion to him. And of course, the irony in all of this is that while we as humankind may have been caught entirely surprised by these events that unfolded two years ago, March, um, they didn't surprise God at all, did they? No, they didn't. In fact, um, if we really were listening, we would see all the signs coming up to this. But unfortunately, we're not ready. So just like there's, uh, you get the feeling in our society, there's a reset. There is a world reset. And whatever the enemy had planned for evil, God's plan for good. So, you know, the enemy has a plan. But good news, God has a better plan. You know, the enemy had a plan to put the three Hebrew children in a fiery furnace. God had a plan to get them out. That's the good news. So do you see implications in relationship to the, uh, shall we say, the fallout of COVID, both at the global stage as well as for the church itself? I think you're absolutely right. I think it's prophetic in tone and nature. 
where we're bringing it, we're being brought into an end time move that has now begun to move to a prophetic timetable, which was not set in place before. I believe this will usher in uh, one world government. I believe it will change the monetary system. I believe all these things are beginning to unfold. And I believe the greatest news of the church is that Jesus has a plan, and that plan has to do with his church, because he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So no matter what the enemy does, you are assured that God's plan is a perfect plan, and he's going to make that happen in spite of everything else that's going around. You have been involved as a senior pastor there at Kaleo uh, nearly 35 years, and over that time, I'm sure you've seen a lot. I think back to where we were, say, in the late 1970s, early 1980s. There was, of course, a lot of unrest going on in the Middle East. At that time, there was conversations related to, well, could we be at the cusp of the beginning of the Battle of Armageddon? Folks very much diving deeply into uh, biblical prophecy and 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 looking at uh, things related to Russia, Gog, Magog, so on and so forth. Uh, what I find fascinating is that certainly there were even apostles who thought that Christ would return during their lifetime. Here we are 2,000 years later, we're still awaiting his return, and yet I have to wonder— the events that we saw unfolding in the Middle East in the 19, late 70s, early 80s pale in comparison to where we're at today. I mean, it, for me, it's fascinating because in some respects you wonder, well, how could the Antichrist come on the scene? How could be there's this sense of, of, of fooling people um, across the entire globe? And yet, ironically, over the last several years, we've begun to see some signs of just precisely how could this happen? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Russia, we've always had tension between Russia and China, but you've never seen the advance of the Russian army going in Eastern Europe as now. You've never seen Israel having to deal with Iran as now. You've never seen the Chinese build an island in the middle of the South China Sea and threaten the U.S. military as a result of crossing into their waters. You've never seen the tension as you've seen it worldwide now. And you realize that it is a different season because you sense a change, almost like if you were going outside and you looked up and you see storm clouds coming in and the wind picked up and it began to blow and you, you saw the elements changing. It is a spiritual experience today to see all these signs happening all at once to make us realize Boy, God is in the midst of change, but this is culminating to an impact on our society in a way in which we've never experienced before. You know, we always feared Cold War. We always feared the nuclear war. But today, the possibilities are greater than ever before. And really, what's going on is it's separating the cultural Christians from biblical Christians. And I think that is the falling away in the church. We have those who are true believers who will follow Christ even to the cross. And we've had cultural Christians who've adapted a lifestyle that's more in tune to the culture they're living in rather than the gospel. And I'm glad you bring that up, Pastor, because the Bible does talk about a time of the separating of the wheat from the chaff. And you use the word, and it may be in what you said is the most important word, spiritual, that we, through human eyes, through the lens of the television camera or the news reporting, see this as disputes over land, over territory, over power control, things of this sort. We see all of that from the worldly standpoint, and we think, well, this is yet another war. We haven't seen one on the European continent of this magnitude since World right. War II, but there are degrees to which this is sort of part of the cycle of history. We fight, then we settle our grievances, and we have a time of peace, and then we find something else to fight about. And so it repeats. But this is different, as you point out. And the one key here for those that have an ear to hear, for those that have spiritual eyesight and discernment, is to understand that this is not just physical warfare that we're seeing unfold, but to the greater and grander degree, this is really spiritual warfare, isn't it? It is. And I think that is the heart that a pastor is maybe not as acquainted with spiritual warfare. 
Let me give an example. As a pastor, you're going to lead people to Jesus. You're going to have an altar call. But there are times in your ministry where you may have to deal with things that people are being oppressed by. I remember a young lady came to my office and she was bipolar. And of course, she said that her problem was that she heard voices. And as we talked, I found that her mother took her to a palm reader. And then after the experience with the palm reader, she began to have episodes of hearing voices. And as I sat there and prayed about it, we led her to the Lord. And that was great news. We led her to the Lord. And then the second part of that, I said to her, you know, have you confessed faith in Jesus Christ? But maybe the greatest gift that God wants to give you is to fill you with his spirit. And I said, if you will allow him to do that, I believe he will change your life. Well, needless to say, as she opened her heart to receive Christ and receive the Holy Spirit within her, her life totally changed. She actually felt a release. The voices in her head were gone. She was a completely whole person. So as a pastor, you're dealing with these things on a basis like never before. And it is not something to be afraid of. It's something to be aware of and realize that sometimes it's not a physical problem, but it's a spiritual problem. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in high places. And I'm reminded, too, we, we referred to this earlier on in our conversation, Pastor Dooley, the sense that we would see in the end times earthquakes in diverse places, wars and rumors of wars. We're certainly seeing all of that. We would see a time when men's hearts would fail in them for fear. And, and, and certainly as we see what's going on around us, not just post-COVID, but then added to this layer of complexity. And folks that grew up in the 1960s may very well recall the, the drills, duck, cover, and hold, because we were all concerned about nuclear war. While those were fears that were real fears, we didn't have leaders using the word right and left, as we've seen in the last several weeks. And so I have to wonder, from the Christian perspective, how, how do we put all of this in context? Because the world certainly uh, has has cause to be concerned. There, there's a great reason why people should be fearful, especially if they're outside the bonds of Christ. But specifically for the church, what do you think all of this pretends to? What does this all say to us? Well, it says to us, you, you have to be prepared to meet Christ. You have to be prepared to live in such a way where you take your faith serious, that you take your relationship with Jesus seriously, that you're committed to serve him no matter what happens. The good news is that God had uh, an ark for Noah. God has a safety plan for the church. He is not going to allow it to be destroyed. He said that. But as we approach this in time, we've never seen world governments involved with uh, with guidelines to control their population. We've never seen hypersonic missiles that are able to do 10 or 20 times the speed of sound, which there is no defense, by the way, for that type of missile. We've never seen a pandemic that is worldwide that was engineered engineered somewhere where it came out of a, a bat and that it would, in fact, infect a human being. There's something about this that has engineered this whole process where we are now being controlled in such a way where we're having to do as the government says. So this is leading us to the final place where God will bring us to a forefront of visitation and victory because he's going to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are committed to him. And I say this with all due respect, we are seeing the fulfillment of the scriptures and any day Jesus could return. We know certainly that scripture talks about a day when judgment will come. And eventually this heaven and earth that we know will pass away. There will be a new heaven and earth. But Scripture also tells us that prior to that layer of judgment, that there would be a judgment of the church, uh, that God would come in, which the Scripture says, uh, the judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Let, let's talk about that for a moment, if you would, Pastor Dooley, from the perspective of, again, this sense of separating the wheat from the chaff, or, or I'm reminded of, of Scripture that talks about, I would have, rather have you hot or cold than lukewarm. 
the day of the cultural Christian. I am because I'm born here. I, I consider myself to be, without regard to whether or not I have a fa- active faith, have ever even uh, prayed or accepted Christ. I mean, there there is, as we know, a difference between religion versus relationship. We see a lot of religiosity in the church today. Do you think God is preparing to, uh, to basically call the bluff? I, I think so. I think, you know, listen, at, at, at the days going by, anyone could be a Christian. It didn't cost them anything. It was comfortable. Uh, there was no really outward appearance of a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, there was no life change. Uh, a person could pick and choose uh, when to obey Christ, when not to. There was very little sacrifice in their lives. And certainly there was no fruit of a life that was changed. Uh, in other words, a person could be a Christian and act like the world. And and I think those are the issues that the church is facing today. To truly be born again is to have the love of Christ in you, number one. Number two is to have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, temperance. The third thing, there's got to be an evidence of a life that's changed in order for you and I to profess a faith in Jesus Christ. And the fourth thing is to have a crucified life where you're living to do His will rather than your own. Pastor, I want to come full circle and talk a bit about the ministry of Kaleo Christian Fellowship. We mentioned earlier you've been serving there for, uh, my goodness, uh, 35-something years. If folks are new to the San Francisco Bay Area and they're looking for a church home, tell us a bit about what God is doing at Kaleo Christian Fellowship. Well, you know, it's the great reset, right? <laughs> and so it, it, the dynamics of church is uh, an interesting part. We've got a exciting ministry in church. We've got a youth ministry. Uh, we've got uh, a couples ministry, men's ministry. Uh, we've got the marriage ministry. Uh, we have something for, for everyone there. And uh, we had a kids club, by the way. I, I would mention this. We had a kids club in a local school. And we had it for five years, and we would just read the Bible and, and share Christ with this, with the kids in school. Some of the kids never heard of Jesus. Some of the kids didn't even know how to pray. Some of the kids didn't even know what Jesus was about or who he was. And we were able to reach into a community of, of kids. We were able to give them food that they could eat. We gave them backpacks. Uh, so uh, we've done a lot of things in the community. What we're trying to do now is to reset and not put an agenda on the table to be open to what God has. So we have a Sunday morning service uh, at uh, at 11 o'clock. We have a Wednesday service at uh at uh, 7.30. Uh, as far as that goes, our programs are on Sunday morning for classes that we have. We have a prophetic class. We have a new beginners class. We have a, uh, uh, a family life class. And uh, we are active in the community by uh, feeding people, helping people in any way we can. And uh, we appreciate all that God is doing for us. Being all things to all men that we might win some. Kaleo Christian Fellowship, by the way, they meet at 7700 Mountain Boulevard in Oakland. Service times, as Pastor Dooley mentioned, are Sundays at 11 a.m., Sunday school classes at 10, Wednesday night, midweek service at 7.30 p.m. And then do you still have the uh, the Bible study of Thursday mornings? Uh, we do a We do a Zoom. Uh, we do a Zoom prayer on Thursday, which is nice. Uh, you can call her off to get the Zoom number, and we would like to pray for you. Listen, we've had some miracles that occur at people who were either sick or afflicted or infirm, and it's been wonderful. We get together, we pray for each other, pray for our nation, uh, something else. We are also on Facebook Live, and if people can't be at church, they can go on Facebook Live to Kaleo Christian Fellowship and get our streaming video, and it's easy to, to uh, access, and uh, we can bless them there. We're here to bless uh, our community and bless you. And again, more information available on the web at Kaleo CF, then Kaleo Christian Fellowship, Kaleo spelled K-A-L-E-O, Kaleo C-F dot O-R-G. Telephone area 510-569-7576. That's 510-569-7576. And as Pastor Dooley mentioned, uh, services not only in person at 7700 Mountain Boulevard in Oakland, but also online. So whether you uh, 
participate in the uh, the digital realm or in the personal realm, you are invited. And if you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area looking for a new church home, I think you'll find it a quite welcoming atmosphere at Kaleo Christian Fellowship. Again, 7700 Mountain Boulevard in the city of Oakland. Pastor Russell Dooley, it has been a delight and an education to spend some time with you today. We appreciate so much your willingness to uh, open your heart and share from the Word. It has been my pleasure. Amen. Amen. Just worship Him. Thank you so much, Lord. We just praise you so much for all that you do. In Jesus' name, thank you so much. Lord, we would just pray your anointing upon us tonight, that you would bless us, strengthen us, guide us, lead us, and inspire us. In Jesus' name, thank you, everyone, for that. That was so wonderful. Uh, The reason I had to run and get my phone, because I thought of something, and many times when I'm getting ready to just uh, speak, uh, the Lord will just give me things as I start flowing in, and so that's what you need to do. You need to, you need to learn how to follow the Holy Spirit. You know, any Christian who's walking with God, if you don't know how to follow the Holy Spirit, uh, you're not going to walk into victory. More than likely, you'll walk into defeat. Amen? Because the Lord leads us to victory. Amen? As you allow the Lord to lead you. So here's the scripture you gave me. Jeremiah 12, 5. Take a look at Jeremiah 12, 5. And Jeremiah asked two questions. First of all, you have to ask yourself, if, if, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, made you tired, in the land of peace where you dwelleth, how are you going to run with horses when the river or the Jordan overflows? I mean, if you're having a hard time serving God and you're not struggling, you're not in a battle, and it's difficult for you, what are you going to do in the time of war? In other words, if you're struggling in the time of peace, what's it going to be like when it gets more difficult for you in your faith journey to confront and overcome the enemies that want to steal your faith and undermine what God has for you? I mean, listen, as Christians, we're great at giving in and giving up just when something great is about to happen to us. And many times we get worried, not because we get worried in the journey. We get worried in the struggle. We get worried in the warfare. We get worried in the things that are going on. And that's a good sign that we need to get closer to God. That's a good sign that we need to press into the things of God. That's a good sign that we need to unpack the things that we're carrying in us that have nothing to do with being in the will of God, but sometimes we tend to pick up things in this journey that burden us down, that give us problems. We kind of act like God has lost control. And so the lie is that I have to take control from the hands of God in order to maintain strength and overcome. Listen, you're in the battle right now. Depending on how you're responding to the battle will determine your victory. Now, God is not a respecter person. He wants to bless you. He wants to do amazing things. But he has to develop your faith. He has to develop your trust in him. You have to learn how to walk with God. You have to learn how to trust God. You have to learn how to listen to God. You have to learn how to obey God. And you have to learn how to fight with spiritual weapons against the enemy that confronts you. So you've got to learn God's way of winning the battles. Not your way, God's way. So God's way is multifaceted. It's learning how to stand in faith. It's learning how to declare the word. It's learning how to praise God. It's learning how to uh, unburden your heart to the Lord and, and allow him to come in and give you his strength and joy. And more importantly, it's learning how to wait on him. Waiting means waiting on him to turn the tables on the enemy, waiting on him to change the outcome, waiting on him to open the Red Sea, waiting on him to defeat your enemy. There's a season and time that God will do amazing things for you in the process. He's trying to develop your faith in him. He's trying to develop your trust in him. He's trying to get you, here's the key, to focus on him. Focusing on him is keeping your mind stayed on him. Your mind, your attention 
Because if you're not getting your mind on Him, you'll be like the children of Israel. Remember when they crossed, uh, came out of Egypt and they got to the Red Sea? And they began to cry and complain. Why did you bring us here? The Egyptians are coming. I can't believe it. You brought us here to kill us. They're going to overwhelm us. And Moses said, I don't know what to do with it. And God said, why are you whining to me? You got a staff. You got the word. Use the word. The staff is always the word. And what did he do with the word? He held it above the obstacle that he was facing. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to hold the word above the obstacles that you're facing and believe God's supernatural power to make an intervention in your life and do the impossible that you could not do. Now, you've got to get to the place of faith where you turn it over to God and trust him. There are some battles that you have to fight to get to. For an example, Moses did all the battling with the Egyptian gods and with their magic men. He did the signs and wonders and miracles. So he fought the faith. He stood the test. Now he had to learn to trust God to fight the kind of faith that was impossible for anyone to do it except God. So there are some battles that you have to fight in order to develop your faith, in order to walk in obedience, in order to trust God, in order to listen to His voice. And there are some battles that God fights. Amen? So here's the, qu- here's, here's the question I would like to ask you. Do you know the difference? See, if you don't know the difference, it may cost you victory. If you don't know the difference, it may steal your joy. If you don't know the difference, the enemy can probably lie and deceive you in putting things on you that God doesn't want you to have. What would that be? Well, disappointment, frustration, sorrow, uh, bitterness. See, there's nothing more wicked than the enemy convincing us that God does not care about us. And when we allow that to happen, we develop a bitterness in our soul that somehow God didn't come through when in fact we were not trusting Him. So don't wait to praise Him until the victory comes. You praise Him in the midst of your battle. Somebody need to hear that tonight. Somebody need to hear that. Stop looking at the things that are wrong and start taking authority over the devil. He won't like it, but it's the best thing you can do. Amen? Amen. Listen. Remember, remember Jacob, excuse me. Remember Jacob? God could have gave him victory immediately. But what does God do to Jacob? He shows up in the middle of the night. A dark night. An unbelievable panic attack was on Joseph. My brother Esau is coming. I stole his birthright. Uh, he's coming with a bunch of guys, 300 men, and I just got my wife, the kids. And he's justified in killing me. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he looks at this place and says, oh, my God, there's angels here. Maybe they're ready to take me home. <laughs> and about the midnight hour, not the daylight hour, the midnight hour, where no help could be found. He was alone. Sometimes it just takes you and God to work it out, to pray it through, to come to Him, pour your heart out, recommit your life, surrender your burden, call upon His name. Maybe sometimes He's just waiting for you to wake up to call upon Him. 
Maybe that heartache, maybe that pain, maybe that disappointment is hanging around just so God can get you to get alone with him. Maybe that's the reason God hasn't taken away from you. Maybe that's the reason you still have that affliction. Is because maybe we haven't taken our relationship with God serious enough to press in. Wait a minute. It's true. It's true. Think about Joseph. I mean, uh, Jacob, rather. Uh, have I got your attention? <laughs> Excuse me. I'm limping. Have I got your attention? The only way I can stand, Joseph says, I have to lean on him. The strategy is for God to get you to the point where you start depending on yourself and leaning on him. So what would that look like for me to lean on God? How, how would that work? How would it work? Well, I understand that we want to be spiritual, and so we want to present the gospel. We want to talk about the Word. So if I go to someone and preach the gospel to them with fervency and power and victory, and I'm determined for them to listen to me and hear what I have to say, and I'm doing everything I can to get them converted, I'm trying to work it out in the flesh. Because it's not the Spirit of God. And people can come to a place where they can try to get you off of their back by disagreeing with you. You ever have that happen? Oh, I have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like witnessing someone that you're trying to share Christ with, and they're not ready to receive it, but they will say yes to you just to shut you up. Kind of like preaching a message to get people your conviction rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to convict them. Be careful now. Be careful now. Listen, I know you're zealous. I know you're on fire, but you're never going to change people's heart. All you can do is put a Band-Aid on them. What they need is heart surgery. And you, my brother, sister, cannot do heart surgery. Only he can. And when they get to the point with God where they're willing to surrender and submit to God through confession and repentance and ready for God to do a work, then God is ready to do heart surgery. I've learned that in my walk with God. I've had to, I've had to tread lightly when it comes to moving in that place because it takes heart surgery and not a Band-Aid. Wow. So let's go back to Jeremiah. He says, listen, how are you going to run? How are you going to run? When you've been having it so easy, when you're so comfortable, when you have it all that you want, you're having it, it's, 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 it's not changing. What are you going to do when you've got to contend with horses? And you're in the briars of the Jordan and you're struggling because it's a wet land full of water pools and full of moss, and full of danger, and you're trying to struggle through the thickets of life, and they're hanging you up, and you've got to compete with real forces that you've never run with. Have you allowed your endurance to weaken? Have you allowed your commitment to, to wane? Have you allowed your personal relationship with God to become weaker, not stronger? Are you pressing in? Are you moving in? Are you seeking God? Are you asking for the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Are you just cruising on a comfortable level and never really pressing in? So this is an attitude of pressing in in this season like we've never pressed in before. So I think it's important. Can you imagine Moses going to Egypt? And I would say that and thinking, and he's facing Pharaoh. And now he had the burning bush experience. God filled him with his spirit. God gave him a staff, gave him a miracle. He's supernaturally empowered to face the Egyptian king. Only to find out that when he threw his rod down, 
the, the magicians threw theirs down and the same snake showed up. Can you imagine that? I don't think he was ready for that. I don't think none of us are ready for that. I don't think any of us are ready for what's coming. I don't think we really understand what's happening. I think we're all caught off guard by this pandemic and this whole situation and this COVID that went around and now it seems to come out of nowhere and people are taking the vaccination or shots or whatever they got to do. They're terrified. They're scared. The new normal is gone. We've been looking at our country, America. It's not the same. Uh, we're looking at the prices of food and gas. Uh, we're, it's, it's blowing my mind of what's going on. Is this the America it was two or three years ago? No. It seems to be a whole different place and a whole different country and a whole different season. And, and I was praying about this today. I'm trying to get into the word where I need to go. So I'm, I'm kind of treading softly to where I go. So I'm thinking, why are we in this mess? Well, it's, it's one side against the other. Well, that's true. But it's one side with their own agendas fighting to determine what agenda is going to happen while they don't care about your agenda or my agenda, they just want to do what they want to do. And that's what's running them, not to serve the people, to serve themselves. Instead of this country taking care of us, they have set their agenda to do everything contrary to this country. Amen? And while they're fighting each other, the enemy has come in. And moved into Ukraine, in China, in the South China Sea. And our manufacturing is all overseas because someone bought all these guys out in order to give them permission to build our product. And now we got no product. Welcome to the new world order. All right. Now, gas prices are going to continue to raise. They don't know what to do because they shut down the pipeline. And they say it doesn't make any difference if they shut down the pipeline. If they had the pipeline coming from Canada, it would only give us 900,000 gallons a day. Oh, my gosh. Barrels. Thank you. Barrels. And yet they won't do it, but they would rather, listen, they would rather get oil from other countries that are socialists and uh, bless their economy and bless these guys and pay for oil that's inferior than the oil we get. Because that is the new norm. Now, it's interesting about this because I want to go into the prophetic in, in a way. Because I've been looking at this in Russia. And what is Russia doing is what Russia has been doing is selling oil and natural gas to the world. And they're reaping benefits of millions and trillions of dollars. And we're buying their weapons of mass destruction. We're buying all their equipment. We're buying all their service. And they got, they've got the buddy China working with them. And they want downfall the whole world to make it communism. And we think by putting some sanctions on that country, that's going to change them. And then China is just going to be their broker and sell oil to their country to the rest of the world because there's no sanction on them. And it's not going to really hurt them because... They're going to get the oil out, but it's going to affect us and our economy when we could have done something about it because someone else had a plan and he didn't want to pursue it. Now, why would we allow this to happen? Let me tell you a little story about the Ukraine government. The Ukraine government in 1994, Bill Clinton went there when he was the president and says, you don't have to worry about having missiles. We're going to help you and protect you. I promise we will protect you in the time of crisis. That's what he said. I heard his tape. He said, we're going to protect your country. You don't have to worry about it. And you say, Pastor, why are these people in Ukraine so bitter and angry? Well, let me tell you something about it. In 1922, Russia invaded their country. And when they invaded their country, they took all their food. And they killed 10 million people who starved to death. Children starved to death, mothers starved to death, grandparents starved to death. 
They took their entire food supply. They took all their tractors, farm equipment, broke it down and sent it to Russia. That wasn't enough. They took all their bank, all their money, and they gave them coupons in change for their ruples so they could exchange it in the bank. And when they went to the bank, the coupons were worthless. So because of the bitterness of stealing them, taking their money, and killing millions of Ukrainians, that wasn't enough. They went to the factories in Ukraine, took all their equipment, their manufacturing equipment, and brought it back to Russia and left the country totally bankrupt with no support and no money so the people could suffer and die. That's what the Ukrainians have been. And that's what Russia wants. They want to take a country that is free from the tyranny of the communist regime, a bunch of thugs who are killing and murdering people and killing them in the hospitals, pregnant women in the pregnant ward who are being bombed in the hospital while we try to sanction them and slap their hands for what they've done. And the Russians, in the meanwhile, they want to take over all of Europe, my friends. And then who's going to trust America? Who's going to trust us? Did you see Afghanistan? Did you see our soldiers there in Afghanistan? Did you see the Afghan people? Did you see them trying to leave the country? Did you see them screaming and pleading for mercy? Did you hear what we did? We abandoned them. So when other countries see us, the great United States, they look at people and say, I don't know if I can trust these people. Oh, it just goes on. I mean, Vietnam, so the Vietnam War was in Vietnam. Jim was in Vietnam. They did the same thing to the South Vietnamese. The end of the war, the communist Chinese came into Vietnam. They took everything, killed as many people as they can. People trying to escape. We said we would help them. We left them. So when the world looks at America today, what do they see? They see somebody in leadership that will not keep their word, that will not keep their promise, that will not protect them. And so now the natural thing for them to do is seek resources from other countries. And sure, those countries are China and Russia that have a large amount of resources in order for them to get a gas or pipeline or natural gas. Because somehow we can't trust America to keep the word. Because America is too busy fighting between the Republicans and Democrats. Because they've lost sight of you and me. And they want their own ideology and agenda. While Russia has built its forces, our military has been decimated through politics and reduction and equipment and supplies. We are not the America that was. We're poorly equipped. China outranks us with so much more military power. And Russia. What does that do with us? Are you trying to make me feel bad? No, no, no. The Bible says in Genesis 9 or uh, yeah, Genesis, I think it is, or Exodus, I think it is in Exodus, in uh, 9.16, he said, I raised you up for such a time as this so I could display my glory in power. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to Russia. Russia is going to invade the Middle East. What's, what's going to call them to happen? The greatest, listen to me, the greatest gas reserves and natural gas isn't in Saudi Arabia. It isn't in China. It isn't in the South China Sea. It's in Israel. And what does Russia want to do? They want to get to the rich resources of what Israel has, natural gas and oil. And guess what Israel's going to do? They're going to work with their partners around their country in order to develop the natural gas pipeline that go into Greece and other parts of Europe so that Europe doesn't depend on Russian oil. And oh my gosh, it is setting up Ezekiel 38 where Gog and Magog will come against the nation of Israel. Read Ezekiel 38 and 39. 
In fact, it'd be a good thing to understand this in Scripture and realize what it means to us in a prophetic. What is Gog and Magog? Well, history says Magog was the grandson of Noah, the descendants of Magog. They settled far north of Israel, likely in Europe or northern Asia. Magog seems to refer to a northern barbaric tribe that was connected to Magog. Ezekiel 38 and 15. Gog and Magog are referred in Ezekiel 38 and 39 in Revelation 27 and and verse uh, 20, chapter 20, verse 7 and 8. Amen? And so God says that he's going to cause something to happen. He's going to pull a hook in Magog's jaw, and he's going to draw them back to the land of Israel. And when they go back with their armies that come across the sea, and they come back to the nation of Israel with their vast armies and weapons and power, while they're standing there, God's wrath is going to come up before them, and he's going to incinerate them. So in this prophetic timetable, what we see is Russia, the bear, engaging War in order for it to go into Eastern Europe and the plans to go into Europe. That's their plan. On the other hand, the Chinese want to take out South Asia. They want to go into Asia, take the South China Sea, build an island and claim it's theirs because there's gas reserves, as well as take over Taiwan and begin to take it back from their independence. And because we have been so gloriously courageous facing the Russians, they looked at us and said, well, they're not going to do anything with Taiwan either. I'm telling you what's coming. Ezekiel 38 and 39, Gog and Magog. So what is this setting up, Pastor? This is setting up the times of the Gentiles. It's getting ready in the last days where the Antichrist is setting up his kingdom. One world government is setting up the kingdom. In order to do that, you've got to destroy the largest, most powerful country in the world, and that's this country. And how you destroy it is battle within. Have a tribal influence that comes in. So there's no longer the country that we were born in. It becomes another country. You know, when I was in the service, we fought for this country because we love this country. World War II veterans gave their lives by the thousands because they fought for the right to be who they were. It didn't make any difference if your skin was black, white, yellow, green. It didn't make any difference if you were Italian, French, Chinese. They don't care. You were an American. You had an idea, and that is freedom, and enjoy the freedoms of our country and freedoms of our world. That was the America that we grew. Everyone had an equal chance to thrive and see themselves successful. Everyone had an ideal, and they wanted to be a part of this country. World War II, World War same way. Vietnam, it began to change. Afghanistan, it began to change. And now we have people who hate this country and want to see it destroyed. Because the plan of this one world government is to bring socialism. And socialism is where the beast gets his power. Say, how's the beast going to get his power, Pastor. Well, first of all, you create such chaos and confusion. You have such chaos among the armies and that the Western world is no longer the superpower. It becomes China and Russia. And as they move towards the Middle East and Eastern Europe, if the United States would have been smart and they would have developed a NATO in the Baltic nations, there wouldn't be this issue today. If they would have developed a Southern Asia nation of NATO, they wouldn't have the problem they have in Asia. You understand what happened? The enemy has deceived us and he has followed his plan, but God has a plan like he did in the time of Egypt for such a time as this. I raised you up for this purpose. Amos 3, 4 says, Surely the Lord will not do anything but reveal his secrets unto his servant, the prophets. So what we need today is heaven's perspective to what's going 
character would God give an ideals that are righteous. Amen? So I would pray for our government. I would pray for our leaders. I would pray for those who have a faith and steadfast and the kind of person you want to be the leader of this nation is someone who cares about people and loves America. Now, let's go back to Russia for a minute. I, I want to kind of stop in a few minutes. Am I, interest, am, am I interested enough? You, you get what I'm saying? So here's what I see going on. I see a prophetic word. I see the Gentiles nation being set up. I see a one world government. I see among the Gentile nations, you're going to have certain prophetic things that are in place that are happening now. So what are the prophetic things? The prophetic things are happening that Israel will be a nation that will have to deal with the tribulation. And as God marks the nation of Israel, there's a prophetic time for them. There's a prophetic time for the Gentile nations. And there's a prophetic time for the church. I was reading a story of China taking over the uh, Africa continent. And they have bases in Africa now. Uh, they bought a mine, a uh, titanium mine... Uranium mines in South Africa for $3.3 billion from an American company, which frankly ought to be illegal because that's an element that you can't get. Oh, you want me to go on? Okay, so when this Russia and the oil, do you know that part of the plan in oil, guess who's the greatest producer of fertilizer? Russia, thank you. And with fertilizer, you can what? You can grow food. Absolutely. And what happens when you don't have fertilizer? Thank you. No food. We have a food shortage. We have fertilizer shortage. We've got an oil shortage. And then we have seed shortage. America, we've got to pray. We've got to call on God like never before and trust Him. Because you don't know what God's going to do. But don't think that this is going to go back to normal. Now, I don't have time to get in other things. I think that's enough. Let's talk about a minute of good things. Okay? Now, any of this stuff is stressful because you've never realized what's going on. It's right happening before. A prophetic view is coming into place right now. So my suggestion is get as close to God as you can. Press in. You know, I was listening to a pastor in Ukraine, and because they bombed so much, so many people, he's decided to open up for church. He said, hey, we're not stopping. Gospel has to preach. People have to be saved. We need comfort and strength for one another. The church is going to stay open if there's war around us. Wow, they're bold. A lot of people may die for their faith, but they're going to be, they're going to die, stand up fighting. Okay, they're not going to give in. Okay, so let's go back to this. So one of the things that I heard, and this is a true story that I heard, it was an amazing story, that one of the soldiers was a Christian, he was fighting on the front line, and the Russians were coming in. Now remember, they haven't had weapons, they haven't had planes, they haven't had resources to fight this battle. And while our president decides what to do, and he's going to test the sanctions, right? And see how that works. Well, by the way, did I tell you, they have over $8 billion, $800 billion saved up in the war machine because of oil. No, I didn't tell you that. Russia does. Yeah, they do. So if you sanction them, they got enough money. They're not going to be hurt. But what we ought to do is pray for those who are suffering as a result. There are Christians there. There are pastors there. There are missionaries there. And as Russia gets emboldened and China gets emboldened, our country looks weak and helpless in front of the world. But we don't have to put up with this. We can pray for a breakthrough. Amen? So here's the thing. Guy calls his dad, and here's what he says. He says to his dad, he said, Dad, we're facing an enormous Russian army. It's so vast and powerful, we are overwhelmed. We do not have enough resources to fight them. I just want you to know this may be the last time I talk to you before I'm killed in battle. Would you do this for me, Dad? Would you pray for us 
And would you have our church pray? Please, Father, have them pray. The Father began to call members of the church. And they begin to call upon the name of the Lord. The father's walking the floor. He hasn't heard from his son. He's trying to figure out what to do. His son calls him in the morning, and the light is shining. He said, Dad, Dad, I don't know what happened. It was like a war came above us, and there were ships floating in the sky. They looked like saucers. And there were rays coming and the whole sky was obliterated with lights and lightning and lightning bolts. And we looked upon the troops and they were all dead. They were dead. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, God's still alive. God is still alive. God is still fighting our battles. God is going to take care of America. God is going to bring us through. We've got to learn to come together and pray. We've got to seek His face. We've got to call upon His name. Let's get right. Let's move in in God. Let's start calling upon Him. Maybe it's time to call on God like never before. And I pray you join us Thursday night at 7 o'clock in prayer. If you call our office, we'll give you the Zoom meeting. And you can join us with prayer for praying for our brothers and sisters and praying for America and praying for the nation. And let's do this. Let's pray that we don't go to World War III. I don't know what that man's going to do. He claims if any country's involved with helping Ukraine, he's got the nuke bombs. Do you know the difference? Do you know the difference between a shadow boxer and a street boxer? You ever see a street fighter? Street fighters fight in the street. They do everything. Mean, low down to take advantage of an appointment, an uh, 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 opponent, right? Putin is a street fighter. I'm sorry, our president is a shadow boxer. Amen? What we need is a street fighter. We need someone to get the business with our country to protect its citizens and our assets. So by all means, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for our nation. We pray for those who are in battle with the greatest enemy that this world has ever seen. God, he has one desire, and that's to take power. And God, we know that it's the beast that's going to give him power. We understand that, but we understand his demise. While he's standing up, flourishing against the nation of Israel, bragging about how great he is, you said the wrath of God's going to come up in your face, and you're going to ignite him like a Roman candle, and you're going to burn him where he stands. But God, until that time, the church has to rise higher. The church has to get a heavenly vision. The church has to come alive with super supernatural faith and supernatural power to pray and seek the kingdom of God like never before. That means we've got to get close to God. That means we've got to pray through. That means we've got to call on revival. That means we've got to pray for our nation and our government. That means we've got to pray for all of Europe right now in the name of Jesus. And that means we've got to pray against the regime of the Chinese party that wants to take over Taiwan and settle out. They watched us, Lord. They've seen that we've done nothing. And now they're emboldened to do what they want to do. Father, protect our people. Protect this nation. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. Pastor Russell Dooley, Senior Pastor at Kaleo Christian Fellowship in Oakland. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to the website and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.